Hey guys, this is Daniel Burnett with trainlikearanger.com. Today, I'm very excited. I have uh, a guest, Aziz Durham. He is a retired Green Beret, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and a fighting and martial arts instructor. Uh, excuse me, fighting and firearms instructor. So let me pull, uh, pull Z in here. How you doing, sir? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm great. So I'm very excited to have You've been uh, very patient. I've been uh, having some hiccups here with my streaming platform, so appreciate it. No worries, it. bro. I'm glad to hang out with you. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we were talking for a bit before we started this stream and, and uh, getting a feel for kind of some things we wanted to talk about, and I'm excited to cover some of these subjects. So uh, that being said, can, uh, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, so... Z Durham, uh, as you said, that's short for Zavon. It's been going by Z for a long time. Uh, I'm retired from the military. I retired as a master sergeant. Um, spent the most of my military time in, uh, in special forces, but I started out in the infantry. And uh, I'm a father and a husband. I've been married for 20 years. I've got five kids, 22, 20, 15, 14, and 12. The youngest is the only boy. And uh despite all these other things that i've done like being a dad and a husband has made me grow the most as a person because all the all the things we learn we apply in our in our industry our in our specialties so uh i uh, got my black belt in jiu-jitsu while i was in the military we had some uh, contracted black belts so that kind of made it convenient for me i had guys there to train me and i didn't for free when i had to be there at work anyway so that was great so I understand you people that don't have time to go commit everything to jujitsu. I it was convenient for me, or I, I probably wouldn't have got my black belt either. Um, I teach only twice a week now at a gym because it's just not really my my passion to do that all the time. Um, and uh, I got my own business under the the brand of Asset, which is my larger company that handles organizational training, law enforcement. Uh, armed security and things of that nature in Nashville, but I just like the teaching part. So the Instructor Z uh, branch of the company is kind of just my my go at providing open enrollment training to anyone really, but civilians is my focus or people that maybe feel that they're lacking in certain areas or maybe they have an overconfidence problem where they think they're capable in certain areas and then they realize that they're not because of whatever. Uh, I want to give them some skills to make them capable citizens. And that's kind of my my little slogan there, making capable citizens, um, everyday survival for everyday people. That means if you're a fucking ninja or if you're a housewife or whatever you are, you're, you can be capable. You're a human first and we're built to survive. And with that being said, the world is not going to go crazy and I'm not expecting a zombie apocalypse, but I do know humans are inherently evil to some degree and we choose to do good. And knowing that, I know that bad things happen. Right. And, and knowing the freedom that I feel in my life to enjoy the things that happen on a regular basis from the fact that I know that I'm ready to face a lot of the worst case scenarios. So I feel like it's giving me freedom. It's not a paranoid thing. It's a, man, you know, this has really helped me to focus on my life with my kids and the, and the everyday life and the everyday survival, meaning 
the flat tire, being late, being anxious, getting in an argument with a child. That's everyday survival. Right. I'm free to deal with that and get a lot of focus that way because I have a great baseline when it comes to the things that may be worst case scenario or some of the, the, the higher risk type situations you, we might find ourselves in. And that's, that's freeing to me. It gives you a confidence and it helps me be there and be more in tune with that everyday life, in my opinion. So we don't have to be super ninjas, but it's good to be capable, acceptably capable. Right. We don't want to be a liability. We want to be an asset. So that's what I'm all about right now. We talked about it a little bit, Daniel. And adding to that, that's what I see in you, man. And, you know, we, we did a little group where we were helping each other on Instagram, you know, comments and likes. And I just couldn't keep up with it on my part. It's just too much. I was on the Instagram too much. <laughs> so right. I had to get out of it. But I still we still follow each other and I still keep up with you uh, because I believe in supporting good people, whether, no matter the product, no matter the service. No matter the background, I believe in supporting good people and just, uh, and of course we don't know each other that well, but you can see a genuineness in your approach to your clients and the way that you respond to people. And I've even sent you a couple people. People ask me all the time because, you know, if you get some kind of following, people ask you everything, right? They're like, right. oh, you're a cream beret. Tell me how to work out or I'm getting ready for selection, how to get ready for the military. And I'm like, look. There's a guy that specifies in this. And I can talk to you about certain things and not ask my perspective on it, but I know a guy that's getting people ready for this and he's going to help you get ready physically. And then he's going to, he's going to kind of guide you along the way as well and check in on you because he cares about um, your end result, right? It's not just a paycheck is, is what I'm seeing in Daniel Burnett. So um, I actually reached out to Daniel to make, to be uh, fully transparent and said, Hey, I, I want to speak on your podcast. Which was amazing. Pick, yeah. pick me. No, uh, I've done a couple, so I've done it now. And I love it, man. I just love talking to people. And if, if, if somebody else can benefit from me and you just chatting about things that we feel strongly about in our hearts, I hope, I hope we can do good for people that way, you know? Just us bullshitting and hopefully giving some good messages out there. Right. Thank yeah, you was, I'm, well, thank you for coming on. I, I, uh, I was actually super thrilled when you reached out because I wanted to ask you to come on, but I didn't know you know, you never know who's going to want to do it. And, uh, and whenever you reached out, I was like super thrilled because you're somebody with uh, a lot of expertise. And I was talking about this with you earlier. You do a good job at uh, being approachable because you're, you're somebody with this mountain of credentials behind you. You're somebody who could be very intimidating, but you do a good job at being presentable. Um, you're humorous and, and uh, you're genuine as well. So you know, you make people feel comfortable enough to approach you and get that knowledge. And so uh, that's something I think you do very well. Thank you, man. That's what I'm trying to project. Uh, ultimately, I'd like to get them face to face and, and personal to 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 work with them. But we, we do what we can on social media and through marketing, you know, projecting that. So uh, and, you know, as well as I do. We're both intimidated. It just depends on who's looking. Like people look at veterans, people look at a guy like you, a guy that works out, even if they don't seem to have as much muscle development as you, and they automatically think, man, I'm less than him. And I, you know, he's he's had all this experience or whatever. And it just gets in the way of what you and I are trying to do. Right. And I don't get mad about it. It doesn't bother us. I just understand that that is a thing. Like there's an obstacle there. Let's get past that. And a lot of guys. Being a guy, I can speak for us a little bit. 
we know we have egos, right? It's probably gotten away several times in your life. You're 27. I asked you, and I'm 42. But still, even though the environment that you've worked in and had experience in, there's a lot of egos in there. It's a it's sure. a it's a dog eat dog world, and and you know everybody's wired a little bit tight because you don't want to be looked at as if you're not capable of doing your job. So it really makes you focus on that part. And oh, we said earlier, big dick energy. Like there's, there's a lot of that being projected in it. And when it comes to regular guys, regular people, if I, we truly want them to learn, we truly want them to get better, forget about me and who I am. I'm just somebody that's got some knowledge and let's get past that, you know, get past all that. I'm the same as you and I'm just struggling. And maybe if I went, if their, if their job was cooking and I went in the kitchen, roles would be reversed and I would be yep. like, hey, how are we, how are we going to do this? Can you just get me you know, acceptably well, capable so my wife don't, you know, hate me when I cook or something? Right. So, so we get past all that and that's a, an obstacle that we have a lot of times. And it's, uh, especially in the firearms world, I think a lot of men, firearms, weightlifting, just, uh, we, we're going to get into the talking about martial arts, just putting your hands on another man and controlling them for lack of a more specific way of putting it. Like men automatically feel challenged as soon as that, that topic is broached because they're like, I think we feel like we should know those things. Right. And, and it's better if I don't know the truth and people just assume I know those things. Right. Or even working on a car. I'm not great at working on cars. I teach driving. I'm not a very uh, gearhead. So I feel a little less than when I get a, my, uh, my partner in the company. He's a gearhead. And we get around cars and I'm like, Where's the thing a jigger go? You know, like, I feel a little less than like people. I can't let people know I'm a green brand. I don't know how to fix cars. Like, right, right, right. right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we all got that, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, whenever I started, I started at a, at an MMA gym. And my first day sparring, I got dropped by this kid who was probably 16, 17. <laughs> you know, he just hit me in the liver. And I, was, I just went down. And, uh, and I was thinking, I'm not telling anybody my background. I didn't want to tell anybody, but it's a new, it's a new avenue. Uh, I think it's beautiful that you covered that because, you know, anytime you want to learn a new skill, uh, you kind of got to start from the bottom and you got to be prepared to fail. And from those failures, you can eventually be successful, but you got to, you got to uh, fail first to succeed in ways. Yeah, you do. You do. And I, you see a difference in people like some of us are raised and the self-esteem levels are different. Uh, so, and I try to be very, uh, I guess, I, I try to see people and how they are. And it helps us as teachers and trainers, right? We look at them and kind of see what's going to resonate better with them versus them. So you're, you're playing to your audience a lot. I mean, same principles, but I'm thinking, where do I need to focus more with you versus them? And you see people that maybe have a little more uh, problem with the ego because of self-esteem basically comes down to a fundamental belief in yourself in general. And right. some of us don't have it. Like you're always going to do better when you already know, like, despite what Daniel can teach me and how stupid I might feel why he's teaching me, I'm still valuable and I'm still worth something. And I know that all people go through this. So we have right. to continuously, for me, that was not natural for me as a young person. And for me, I was like, I continuously remind myself, hey, I'm teaching today. That guy's pretty good. Even though I'm the black belt in the room, this guy gives me a problem. Is, does that mean that I suck? Does that mean that I'm awful? No, that just means, hey, that it is what it is. 
I get a little bit better. It's not just because you have a title or a credential doesn't make you ruler of the planet. and Nobody can ever beat you again. Right. And I would venture to say that I don't know how it is in a lot of other uh, fields as far as careers, but I think in the military more so than most, from my, what, what I would say is that it really forces you to play that role of invincibility more than a lot of other career fields, just because that's the culture. It's like, you can't show weakness. Some of it, I think it probably generated from, Hey, you're going straight to combat, you know, shake and bake back in Vietnam days or whatever. And you go straight to combat. Like we got no room for being a bitch. You just do what I say because I need you to do it when I say it. And there can't be any uh, second guessing who's the man around here. Right. But, and that, that carries on, but in that works for certain aspects and certain contexts, but over time, it's like, uh, you start hiding things. I think that's why military has more problems than most. It's not necessarily the war aspect or the PTSD stuff. It's more the culture of, I can't let show weakness. I can't let you see, especially if I'm a leader, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm always the best runner. I'm always the strongest guy. I'm always the toughest minded or whatever the case may be. If I'm in in charge, I got to show you I'm in charge all the fucking time. And there's no, no appearance of vulnerability ever. And it's just, it's not real. It's not real. And then when you're forced to face that eventually, which every person will be, I don't know when it can be, it can make you or break you. Right. It can make you or break you. It's a, it's a pivotal time in life when you have to say, well, I can't be the strong one all the time. Well, maybe I'll drink a little bit to fucking continue this facade, or maybe I'll just fucking take whatever I need to get through so I can continue this until the wheels fall off. But right. the wheels do fall off. So we're living in a culture of, especially you and I, as men in the industries we're in, I think we're really fighting that ego. We're really fighting that those guys that don't want to show vulnerability, right? Anybody that comes to shoot guns or goes to get to lift or goes to a martial art gym, they already feel some semblance of, they probably feel a little tough anyway. So they're not going to, they don't want to let people know that they're not tough in certain ways. Right. What do you think? I, I agree with that uh, completely. And it's, I agree that that is a definitely a culture thing in the military because, <clears throat> you know, in the military, failure could mean death, especially in combat situations. So the culture becomes, you know, we're not going to fail at anything. We're going to be perfect at everything. Um, but to an extent, you know, it's kind of, it's tough to know what the perfect psychology is for that because, you know, in training, that's where you should fail. You should be willing to fail and learn and progress. But then in a real situation, there's no room for that failure. So uh, I agree that people don't want to show weakness. You know, it got to to a point to where I realized that complaining wasn't an option. It was almost like uh, I had friends, but you you didn't have friends that you complained to. You just didn't complain. Uh, It's just not something you did. So bitch up, don't bitch down. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, And so... You know, moving on, whenever you get into, you get past that and you get into the civilian world, you're allowed to kind of become this individual again. And you start to look at the human aspect of yourself. And, and it's hard for some people to let go of. They feel like they still have to carry this mentality and this this idea. But it's uh, it can be debilitating to harbor all that on yourself because 
we're all human. We all got a process. We all got different skills we can learn. The, the amount of skills are endless. There's always somebody bigger and better with more information. Yeah. There is this is constantly a process. So freeing yourself of that is is liberating. And that's something that uh, I think I think the way I promote myself really hits with some people. And then with other people, it doesn't it doesn't ring as well because they're seeing me be very human with this title of of a ranger. But you know, you gotta remember I've been in that old mindset and I'm progressing past that into a new mindset to allow myself to grow. So I try to be a positive person. I try to be very approachable. And that's my goal. My really my goal is and the intent is to help people. So that's that may ring true to some people. To other people they're still uh you know in that mindset of uh we're never gonna show any weakness whatsoever. And uh and so yeah, I think it's great you touched on that. There's a place there's a time and place for being weak like you said training and you know without being in a specific context of training for something specifically life in general i abide by the, this concept of everything we're going through is is making us better so i'm kind of training right now so you know even if i train eight weeks to go to a tournament of some sort some martial art tournament and then i go and then i fucking work hard and fail I failed for that specific thing that I was training for, but in the grand scheme of things, I put myself on the line. I put in all that work. I was resilient. I got in there. I learned uh, maybe the specifics of what caused me to fail in that moment, but also I had to deal with the emotions. I had to say, all right, that's what happened. This is what went wrong. So all in all, you're still improving. Um, right. That's something that people struggle with too. I, I recently, we don't have to get deep into this, and I recently lost my grandmother, who was kind of like my mother. She was like the main uh, authority figure or adult figure in my life, throughout my life. And uh, we've seen it coming. And before her, her husband, my papa, I lost him three months earlier. A year before that, I lost my brother. And I talked at the funeral, and I, of course it's sad. But I'm very realistic when it comes to this. I know I'm not going to be here forever. I know you're not going to be here forever, Daniel. Right. But I'm going to cry and I'm going to honor them and what they, they meant to us. But I'm going to use that to proliferate goodness in other people. So I'm going to use the strength that I'm gaining from, hey, man, we could sit here and be like, the shitty things always happen to me. Shitty things always happen. Why does this happen to happen? We could ask questions all day, but the answer is already, already there. We know how life is. We know what people go through, ups and downs all the time. It's there. Just, just embrace it and say i'm going to take this time this this uh this cluster of of bad things that may have happened in my life and i'm going to say this is making me stronger i'm going to i'm going to feel it and i'm going to experience it i'm not going to bypass it and avoid it and drink it away or anything i've learned not to do that i just embrace it feel it and then i take those lessons from that and i try to implement those things i learned in the in the the, the students that we teach, the people we train, the clients, first and foremost, my kids though, or the people that's closest to me in my closest circle, right? I'm going to be like, look, this is what I feel. This is what I went through. So we, we work to failure and we feel the failure, but we don't let that failure be detrimental to us. It's, yeah. it's a victory. 
because we're progressing. So I that saying I, I'm I'm late to the party on the uh, the stoic mindset, right? Only been about a year. I've been looking at this stuff, and I don't really get too deep into any one approach to life, right? I just take things that I think are useful. And one of the things that the Stoics say is, is that Latin saying, amor fati, meaning love, faith. So it's all about the perspective. You control what you think. You control your reactions. You can't control the shit that happens sometimes. So we control it. I say, damn, this hurts. Damn COVID. Damn 2020 sucks. But I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to take what I've learned from this, and I'm going to be better for it. I'm going to be better for it. Right? Your guys... They're going to suck. They're going to fail at these lifts. They're going to fail. They're not going to follow through and be consistent maybe with the plan. And then they're going to come back and they're going to talk to their wife or whine to their trainer and be like, you know, I did this. And they're going to, you're going to say, look, we're building that consistency. So you did, you know, if you don't have consistency yet, practicing to try to be consistent will, will help you build consistency. You'll build that habit. So you're still learning. You're still training. You're still benefiting from training. In failure, you're still benefiting. What do you right. Think? I agree. Uh, recently, uh, I, I shouldn't even share this, but recently, you know, sure. I competed I competed twice, and and I'm a I'm one one win, right? Two losses and a draw. It uh, didn't go very well for me. And and after the you know the two losses were in a row, and I was thinking, man, I. I think I suck. And then, you know, right. And I was sitting there, uh, sitting there in the car getting real down. And, uh, and I thought, man, it's a, it's a process. Like take, take, take it enough to use it as motivation to better yourself. But anything beyond that is wasted energy. It, it, you shouldn't feel a certain way about trying for something. I tell people this about selection. You know, you shouldn't feel a certain way about, say, you try it and you fail it. Did you learn something? Because, you know, that's really what's going to carry over beyond the military. You know, your character and who you are as a person, that goes a long way. And and you just trying for it is going to make you better. So, and then you can always retry for things. Like I said, if I, if I went to a competition and I failed, I should go do it again until I get it right. Because it's, everything's a process. And so same thing for, for these guys, if you go to a selection and you fail, you can always go back or there's other avenues that are, you know, there's so many walks to life. So, uh, the, we shouldn't walk backwards. We should always walk forward in the way that we can. That's, that's kind of my philosophy on life. Well, nowadays in our culture, I don't know if it's not just America, just, uh, the, the athletic culture we have and the, the, the competitive world the competitive capitalist world that we live in like everything's so result driven quantifiable like hey you're either in this group or you're not and you only got one chance to be in this and it's it really makes you focus on those results and it really is it's almost like this like if i hold my phone out like this i can see you around that but we take the results or whatever we expect the results to be and we bring them right up to our face and i can't see anything else Right. right. And sometimes that's what it is. We're so focused on need to because I think that's the blueprint that makes me a better person or makes me valuable as a military person. But if I quit, maybe I didn't even want it. 
Is it because you're a pussy and you're a failure and you're weak? Or is it because maybe that's not what you wanted? You just wanted it because you thought that was the credentials or the blueprint that you needed to follow to make yourself valuable. Right. So you're trying to make something make you valuable when you are inherently valuable already. Now, this is a lot of fucking sounds like a bunch of bullshit talk, but it's true, man. This is what experience. So when you're doing these things, like feel it. And and here's where people have problems too. And you've probably seen it like in the military culture, they get it backwards. They think even if they do have a mindset where they're not going to let failure stop them, they don't even let people see that they, how they react to failure. They think that the big problem is showing people that you're sad or or hurt by something. Like that's not the the fight. That's not the fight. Feel it. But like we said, let it, it's going to break you or make you. Realize that it's making you. It's always making you. You're the only one that can make the decision for it to break you. Right. It's always making you. And with my kids, I've learned it better than I ever did in the military. It's like teaching my son in football. I was helping coach and all this stuff. And coaching kids, man, it'll really give you some lessons if you really try to look for them. And I was already a teacher. So, of course, anything that I'm doing, I'm looking like, what's an analogy or an approach or a way that I can just better communicate. And my son, not, you know, I mean, he's not even him, but my daughter, okay, my daughter, she started playing volleyball. She just got a wild hair for us and said, I'm going to play volleyball. And this is, and she had never played before. She just liked it. I think she watched anime that had volleyball. And this was maybe <laughs> three. Yeah. That's what, that's what gets people motivated these days, anime. Uh, but three, I don't know, three or four years ago, she's my 15 year old now. And she just, we got a volleyball, we did all the things, and she was so hard on herself. And I, and my character and my personality, I'm a cynical motherfucker. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at result-driven things because that's the culture I was raised in. So I'll tell you exactly what it is, and, and I don't do enough of the human side of building you up sometimes. So I got to balance that. But she was like, hit the ball, and she'd hit it somewhere. And she'd be like, I just freaking stuck. And, that, and I was like thinking with my logical mind, I'm like, why would we expect ourselves not to suck? when we've never done something before. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know? And that but right. I've been that guy. I've been that soldier. I've been that fucking kid that was like mad, depressed, feeling like a pussy because I was failing at something that I had never tried before. Why would I expect myself to do good at? Do I think I'm just I'm Z and I'm too tough to not to I, I gotta know things that I've never experienced. I'll just magically because I don't know, because you're just a bad motherfucker. I don't know. Like, why would we, and, and those were my kids is what taught me that. And now I use it all, I was like, people tell me, excuse me, you know, they miss shots. Like, well, I haven't practiced or this and that. And I was like, exactly. Well, that, look at it two ways. Don't be hard on yourself. If you not practice something a lot, you're not going to be good at it. It's just not how it works. It's not the real world. You've got to practice it. And then the other thing is, don't walk around like you think you can do something and put yourself in bad situations when you know you haven't put the work in to do that. That's false or overconfidence, depending on which one we're talking about. But like you, you can't just buy to the gun industry. We can just shift right on in there. Like people sure. buy guns and I'm a man. I've shot guns with my grandpa. Like, have you shot them in the context of defending yourself under stress, making, applying fundamentals, even, uh, when all these the chaotic environments going on like that's different that's different right. so 
don't expect to be good at things you haven't practiced. And don't be hard on yourself when you do fuck up things and you haven't practiced or you haven't put in the work for what you're trying to do. For you, Daniel, whatever it was in that tournament, like I'm sure you could look back at something like, hey, well, maybe there was a situation that I was in that I wasn't that familiar with. Yeah. Or maybe I was too tired, maybe conditioning. Maybe this guy was just, I don't know, I got to a spot and uh, blew my load by squeezing too hard. So maybe I've, I got some missions that I need to work some of the details and the nuances on that I couldn't finish because this guy was just too tough. And then he ended up getting, you know, an advantage in that. So it's something that you can draw out of that. And it's probably has to do with like, hey, it's just simple things like Daniel's still great. Daniel still went out and stepped into the arena where those timid souls wouldn't do that. Right. But right. Daniel. Uh, is taking that lesson and saying, all right, well, I need to focus on this because I'm lacking in that in that area. So thank you for exposing my vulnerability so I can be made and not broken. Right. That's what Daniel's going to do. Right. Yeah, I think that's perfect. It's a perfect way to put it. And it, it is, uh, it's a struggle for a lot of people because everybody wants to win everything. But, you know, it's uh, like you said, it's all one big process and and as long as we're moving forward that's uh that's a good direction don't move backwards so right while we're you on get, the topic you gotta the way though because you're a ranger right 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 <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pressure uh <clears throat> i do my best but yeah that was a you know that was something i'm kind of talking in circles but going back you know when i first got out of the, out of the military it was uh it was tough to make that switch from you know, that environment of you had to be the expert at everything ever to allowing yourself to be vulnerable. So for, for you guys listening in, you know, that was a major shift in mentality. And, uh, and so what you're seeing is a, is a way different picture than me, you know, five years ago. So this is a, this is a learned behavior to be more vulnerable and be more open to other people, the wisdoms of other people. Uh, that's when I really started learning things is whenever I, I opened my ears and started taking in the knowledge of other people because I recognized, you know, Daniel doesn't know that much. Daniel needs to open his ears and learn stuff. And there's a lot to be learned. Yeah. Again, back to like, why would we expect anything different? Daniel's a man like me. Right. Daniel's got to hear some stuff and he's got to learn some stuff and experience some stuff just like everybody. So when's the time going to happen? You're no right. longer the guy that has to be on, in charge and, and and be saluted anymore and, and, and not show a chink in your armor. Like, right. let's live in the real world now. Life's too short to, to live in with a mask on. And, the, right. and eventually the wheels will fall off. The wheels will fall off. Yeah. Well, uh, going to... Going to uh, weapons, we were talking about firearm stuff. I wanted to pick your brain on, on this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. before I go into uh, my, my personal questions, I, I'm curious what advice you'd have to people new to firearms and martial arts outside of just the mentality of, you know, that being prepared to fail. What kind of, what kind of drills and areas of focus would you give somebody who's new to shooting or martial arts well all right first off i'll say this uh most training environments 
whether it be guns or martial arts, they're not really set up for new people, of my experience. Like they're just, that's not how it's regulated. Unless you have a gym that has like a new class and they really specifically focus on that and, and, and go that route. And I know there are for new shooters, but for the new shooters, it's a little bit different. It's like, they'll teach you a lot of the ins and outs of things that maybe try to teach you uh, how things work mechanically and, and things of that nature before they actually get you shooting more in a, in a, in an acceptable way that might be applicable to using the gun for what its purpose is if you're carrying a pistol every day or whatever. So I think environments a lot of times, so have you probably seen it in the jujitsu or martial, mixed martial arts, you know, like you come in, like, if you got a new guy, I mean, and we're the theme for the month is like our theme for the month in this gym, in our gym is a certain type of takedown and in the turtle position, whether you're on top or bottom. And you come into that and if nobody's ever explained to you the concepts of like, why am I even sitting in the turtle position? Why would I even sit on my back and roll over and put him in between my legs? Why is that even a concept of, you know, then they're not going to get very far in their progress. I mean, they might be able to execute whatever technique you teach that day, but that's very limited uh, if they don't understand the context or when to implement it in certain situations. So uh, the, the way the training is set up a lot of times, they just come in and they get fed through a fire hose because nobody's slowing down for them. Right. And I, I juggle it all the time because I get newer guys and I get advanced guys and I, I'm constantly trying to, I, my, none, of, none of my classes when I teach jujitsu, they're the same. Uh, unless I have the same group of guys every time, like then I'll do a certain warm up or or a certain you know I always try to build drills that's for warm ups that 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 work towards the positions or the theme that we're working on, right? So we get extra reps basically, and some people just need to start from the beginning and kind of understand the why of things. Right. So anybody coming new into this, like they need to really understand the why and. It, Guys, especially, we don't want to know the why. Really. I just want to get in there and start doing stuff because I feel like I'm not doing, I'm not making any progress unless I'm like moving and putting my, you know, sweating and dying or freaking shooting a bunch of bullets. Like now I'm really trained. Like, so the best analogy I use for, or the, or the best saying I say to guys all the time that really means a lot to me is whatever you do. Well, okay. First thing, starting with this, you have to build a system in order. Uh, in the context of implementing something that is effective in a chaotic situation where physiological effects of fear will be, be taking place. And that could be tournaments, grappling, that could be boxing matches, that could be shooting competition, that could be a real life fight to death situation. However you look at it, there's always some physiological effects to do with that fear uh, that goes on, right? So we try to simulate it the best we can for the real things, but it's, it's not always the same, but there's some of the there's some uh, uh, things that that cross over. Anyway, I tell them first you gotta you gotta understand that fear will make you will limit your abilities no matter how skilled you are. So that being said, I have to have a reliable system in place that kind of takes over. Like driving, I teach driving a lot and I use this uh, illustration a lot. Like you ever hydroplaned in a car? Like you're driving yeah. down a highway, you hit like a water puddle and then the, you feel like the wheels are floating and your instinct, if you don't know any better, and this is how a lot of people wreck, is they jerk back because the car might drift a little and they overcorrect and then the wheels eventually catch traction again and then they do exactly what you told them to do. 
you told us to turn this way hard as hell. And as soon as we check, catch traction again back on the concrete, the car flips around or spins right. or whatever, or, or they roll. Uh, but so we train or we learn, and some people know it and through trip, trial and error that you just kind of hold the wheel, lock the wheel in place when you hydroplane, let off the gas, and then the wheels, get, they catch back with traction and you continue to go straight, right? You don't overcorrect. You don't jerk the fuck out of it. Well, that jerking the fuck out of the steering wheel is what a lot of us do when we don't have a system built, no matter what, how it applies or what you're, what area you're applying it in, fighting, shooting, dealing with a de-escalation situation with a child, maybe, the emotions, the caveman mentality. One of my buddies uses the, the word, you, your caveman mentality takes over. It takes over unless you train it not to. So what is my system? What is my system building? Um, for us, when we used to shoot the rifles a lot, your system, you build a system where that thumb was on the safety, safe to semi, back to safe, back and forth, back and forth. So you no longer think about that. That's a system that's built in. That's good. It's a redundancy in your safety. So everything's like that. So for you, um, yeah, when we specify and we put it under a microscope, the system's got to be better and better and better. It can't just be like a baseline system. But the majority of people, they just need a baseline system. A baseline system like, hey, can I joint, generally draw the gun, face fear, and shoot relatively or acceptably accurate in this moment? Can you, if somebody tried to take your wallet right now and beat you up, I, I venture to say with your experience, Daniel, even tournament aside, they didn't have a hard time if they didn't know a lot that you knew that getting you into a position where you were vulnerable because you'd have a right. good base, your hips were strong, you know how to get an underhook, you know how to do certain things where they're just not going to put you in a vulnerable position. And that's a system. And maybe you won't execute flawlessly and gracefully, but that system will take over and it'll set you up for success, especially in a, in a, uh, in, in a non-specific environment, like a competition for a specific thing. Right. right. So we just got to be acceptably capable. So I tell people, understand that you've got to have a system. And then from there, build that system. So where me and you come in is like, what are the things that we want you to focus on that we think are the most important principles and fundamentals that help you set you up for success for most bang for the buck? Now you got cops, like I teach cops. If a cop comes to me or a cop class and they want 40 hours, say, of defensive tactics, they call it basically combatives type stuff. I don't even get on the ground except to help to show them how to get up when they got somebody on top of them. I don't teach about guard. I don't teach about any of that stuff. I feel like that is advanced. I feel like I'd rather take this time getting repetition of you understanding hip control, angles, posture, balance, managing space with frames. Like I'm just going to beat the hell out of you with that until I want you to have that system. I don't care how good you can punch. I don't care how good your arm bar is. I don't give a shit. Like, I want you to be strong in the Greco-Roman wrestling fundamentals, which is essentially what I, I, I cover a lot, and strong in not staying down, like understanding the mechanics of getting into a technical stand-up position when somebody's draping their weight on me and me getting an underhook and getting to my knee or whatever and showing them that you can't, unless you pull my leg out, unless you know how to wrestle in the specific situations, you're not going to keep me down. You're just not going to do it. I'm going to get up if I'm somewhat physically able to anyway right right so systems because to perform uh in chaos you got to have a system that takes over and then what makes those 
what goes into those systems, those fundamentals that are the most key. So Barambolo, <laughs> um, rolling, learning how to do three different types of arm bars, that's good for when you're going against a guy that can defend all those things. But build a system where I can just get in the position where I have the options to do that. If I can put you in a position where I have the option to run, punch, submit, draw my tool, gun or knife or whatever, then that's that I might have time holding you in that position. I have time to maybe for my mind to catch up with the chaos that's going on around me. Right. Systems and what are the fundamentals that makes that system? So that's pretty vague and generic, but tell me some specific. What what do you do for lifting guys? What do you kind of go that route if you've got newer guys just trying to get somewhere quickly or you got limited time? Yeah, and with you know with lifting you don't have the stressful environment, but uh, I like I like what you said about building systems and muscle memory. You know that that's why there's such a big focus whenever you're teaching some somebody something new. On you know I teach them a lot of form because let's say let's do let's add some stress here. Let's say there's a big lift and that lift gets super heavy, and now you got to push through a point of compromise. Well, your muscle memory is going to kick in because you're going to be thinking. Oh shit, this weight's heavy. You're not going to be thinking about your form, but we've already trained the form before. So you're ready for that response. And sports psychology in an ideal performance state, you know, that's something that's heavily emphasized is the lack of, I like that you said the lack of fear of failure. And also there's all these other steps, but basically it all points to uh, self-efficacy through Repetition, you've built the muscle memory, so you are prepared for the situation to some degree. You're confident in your ability to perform the situation. So that's why form is so important. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, in the military, I can speak from that aspect. That's why you spend entire days doing ready-up drills. You sit down there for an hour, an hour. Yep. Just working the selector. You have to be able to rely on it when it counts. Right. As I had a, I had a, a boxing instructor say a line that stuck with me forever. And, uh, and I'm going to put it in my next program. I'm going to put in the sports psychology that I think ties in well to, uh, you know, the military and stuff like that. But he said, you don't do what you know, you do what you do. So under a stressful situation, you're not going to do something that, you know, you're not going to have time to think, okay, like this one time in class, we did this. Instead, you're going to react in the way that you've been trained to react. That makes me think I'm going to use that. I use all these different ideas. I tell people the same thing we're talking about. Like, don't expect yourself to perform a certain way if you haven't put in the work necessary to perform that way. I tell the guys at the range, I'm like, look, it's like a bucket. If I take a bucket and sit in the middle of the range and I walk my happy ass over there, is it reasonable for me to reach in there and think I'm going to get something out of it when I never put anything in that fucking bucket? Like, why would you think you was going to get something out of that? Like, I didn't put those a rock in that bucket and I go over there thinking I'm going to get a rock. Right. Right. You're going to get what you put in there. Right. You're going to do what you do, not do just, just cause I know that you can have rocks and rocks can go in buckets and there's a way to do put a rock in a bucket. Doesn't mean I put a rock in that bucket. Right. You know right. I mean? Like it's really simplified, but I like that too. You do it. You're going to do what you do, not what you know. Right. That's right. great. See, he right. knows, he knows, yeah. he knows that the, the work put in is what, what you're going to get out. Right. Mm, I like that. Uh, that being said, so being your background and, and you being a trainer and, and the physical side, we have, I don't know if you ever heard of the Thor 3 program. 
THOR3. Yeah. There, you have? So, uh, so well, I, I haven't actually looked at the program itself. I'm familiar with uh, well, there being a program. Well, as far as I know, it's in the special operations community, at least Army-wide. I don't know about the rest of the military. I'm sure they got something similar. But it stands for, uh, I forget all the, the threes, but it's Tactical Human Optimization uh, re Recovery, Revitalization, all this, whatever. I don't three R's. Anyway, they get like these Olympic credentialed lifting, strength and conditioning coaches. They got a physical therapist involved. They have a sports psychologist. Anyway, at fifth group, that's what we had. That's kind of like the package that they try to have in the big gym and all that stuff for you. And when they came, man, it was like you made me think of it when you said talking about form. Like some of us, we were taught the mindset of never quit and do whatever it takes to, to for mission success, but we wasn't taught the proper way to get there sometimes. Right. It's the same with uh, lifting. So what they've had, they figured out when they when the Thor program started getting involved with fifth group, they they even had a name for it. They called it the fifth group foot, like guys squatting their their feet would be here and then when one foot would start rotating out or rotating out when they're squatting when they get a little weight under it because they just they were compensating for something like tight right. hip flex or something of that nature um just where we had a squat and we ran so much and a lot of military is like that really like nowadays i think they're doing a little bit better focusing on a, a more a full spectrum approach to to being fit but back in the day you know as well as i do probably well you know I'm a little older than you but it's a lot of push a lot of this you know, a lot of this internally rotated shoulders, yeah. yeah. Not enough sprinting, not enough strength in the hamstrings, a lot of strength in the hip flexors and the quads, and it's and it starts compromising your frame, your structure, and your body, and then it causes, of course, it compounds with problems, especially when you get older. So a lot of times with us that they were fixing so many problems we had. And I used to go in there, I'd be deadlifting, thought I was bad deadlifting five hundred pounds or whatever, but my back would be rolled like this. Yeah, you know you're. Cause you're not thinking like you said those efficacy built in through repetition like i didn't have that i just meant get it up <laughs> so when right. when my structure and my back started breaking down i just continued to use whatever was there to give me that lift and i wanted to keep that strong back and people and i understand i understand like you want to be successful but speaking from my perspective and years of doing the wrong things and I know everybody says this, but really, I see it, man. I'm 42, and I wish there's so many things I feel in my body, and I look back, and I'm like, that was a lot of me, just re repetitions of the wrong things. You can build a hat. Anything can build a habit. Anything can build a system. Is it going to be a bad system or a good system? That's, right. the, that's the choice. Any, anything you do will become a consistency in your life if you do it enough. Is right. it going to be bad or good? Is it going to be beneficial? Or detrimental and mine was a lot of times detrimental and, and i had to get past that and it's even harder as you're older because you're so like man i i could used to do this and all that but you did it wrong and you're hurting your body and you're hurting yourself in the long run your spine your neck your legs everything was starting to compensate and, and your body was getting worse for it and for what to what end because so you could look at your buddy and say hey i lifted a lot right to what end what am i what was i winning yeah, I remember being 18 and you think people care how much you're lifting at the gym. You know, you lift it away. Right. You know, I, let me uh, let me liberate some of you guys now who may be with, uh, listening. I, you know, I used to care about how much that I was lifting. That's not really a focus of mine anymore. 
a lot of my lifting is about being functionally stronger. So in doing so, I actually don't go that heavy on things like squats. I do, I do a lot of volume. That's, that's kind of what I like to focus on. I like to control my lifts, control through the range of motion. I like to focus on well-rounding lifting. Um, you know, what's the point in being really strong in a lift if you're not functionally capable? What's the point of lifting at all? So that's kind of my philosophy on it. But, you know, I know people have certain goals. You know, if you're a power lifter, you're going to want to lift big heavy weight. And I'm all about it. But, you know, doing so with the proper form, like you said, perfect practice makes perfect. Not just practice makes perfect. you got to do perfect practice because you're building that muscle memory regardless. So is it good muscle memory or bad muscle memory? So remember, we're on the journey. We don't necessarily need the end result. Right. Like, I, I learned this in the this does apply or I did learn from coaching my son in football because some of these coaches out here coaching kids, they're so freaking passionate, ramped up. And I am because it's just built into me, like to be competitive or whatever. But I had to keep going internal and talking to myself and being like, what's the end result here? Do I want to yell at kids and how's it going to help them in the future? And do I really give a shit about where winning a peewee football championship ring? I'm going to show my, my grandkids later on, like me, back in the day, I coached this championship team for, for 10-year-olds. You know, like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, and that same thing with that lifting. Like, you lift for five years, you might be good, and then your joints or your back or you never are mobile enough to do things again or you only get, you're like, kind of like me where I'm kind of, I ebb and flow, like I'm up and down with how my body feels, and I try to manage that. But for what, for what five good years of being strong and being the best of, big dick energy guy at your gym like and then after that what do you who gives a shit like i want to are you walking what are you doing now like what are you able to do and i lift i hardly lift anything anymore Danny. just kettlebells and functional stuff i just keep my mobility mobility is everything for me um and like you said the strength is not i don't care how much i can lift i just care about being functionally able to do what is necessary um acceptably capable acceptably capable is my token two words there like i just want to feel good and if I, one thing i realized with heavy lifting i don't know if you realize this or not it's like muscles can be strong as hell but joints joints and ligaments like they don't come back so well when i when i when i've crushed them and beat the hell out of them and i've learned that firsthand so like it's not worth it for me like i want to be i want to feel fit and i don't care about how what you how you perceive me as being fit like i just want to feel good and yeah. stay mobile. What do you think? Yeah. I think that and that usually comes with uh, with just getting older. Your priorities change when it comes to you know when you're in that. I'd say probably eighteen to twenty five range. I see it the most where guys are uh, they're very competitive. They're ready to conquer the world. Yeah, your so, body tricks you because it, you feel like you can do anything and you recover. Just oh, yeah. Like yeah, you could. You can live with that rounded back and and uh, and be good to go the next day. But after a while, that starts catching up and compounding. Like I'm only 27, and and uh, you know I got I got some aches and pains, and so you know I've kind of my focus has already shifted to more of that rehab lifting, more of staying functional and pain free. You know, so uh, I would I would highly encourage if you are 18, 19 listening to this, if if you do take my advice. I would highly encourage you to focus on that proper form. You know, if you want to be a strong guy, absolutely. But, you know, do it, do it for the right reasons. Uh, I can tell you people in the gym aren't 
really paying that much attention to what you're doing. It's you're it's okay to drop down some weight and work on, you know, your range of motion. You know, when I started slowing down my lifts, I dropped the weight a little bit, started slowing down my lifts, focused on what we call the eccentrics, which is, you know, the lengthening of the muscle and the concentrics, which is, you know, the contraction of the muscles and focusing on the well-rounded range of the lifting. I started becoming more stronger overall. So even though I was lifting less weight, I was a stronger person for it. And I was more well-rounded, stable. And, you know, the way that I am stronger functionally now than I've ever been, I don't lift as much weight as I used to. And it's funny how that happens, but it's, it's about the way that you train, not, not how much weight you're lifting. So I would encourage you to train smart because future you will thank you. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Think about uh, one good reminder in my head. Somebody told me this too. And it's like, whatever you're doing now, think about 10 years from now, how that's going to affect you. And that could be with planning of anything financial or body wise, whatever. But I, I started doing that because now I've kind of understand that concept a little better because I'm, I'm not super old, but I am old enough to where I've seen, I have regret about things that I didn't think through better as I was uh, participating in those things like physical being a big one and the military again I'll just say this I just thought about this like guys that are coming to you Daniel and getting that that words of wisdom that you've learned firsthand and actually seen with other guys and also experienced the culture of the military you'll help these guys be better prepared when they go in there because you'll get guys in charge of you and we mentioned this a little bit earlier when you're in charge in the military you have to really not show any vulnerabilities you're kind of looked to for everything so you hey you're not a you don't have a physical training education or know what the hell you're doing you still expected to keep these guys in physical shape so whatever you're telling them to do is what they're going to be doing right so the more people know you, uh, squad leaders out there listen to your privates if they got an education maybe you get a little help there you don't have to know everything and then uh going in there we just ran all the time it was like hey when in doubt just be tough. So do something tough that like smoke the shit out of you. And that's not always the way. That's not always the way when you think about how, what's the long-term effects of this, you know how to be tough. And I know some people might think they're not tough and that toughness is the biggest thing. What I find in a lot of people, especially in our industries, toughness is down a dozen. Like everybody's tough. We're built to be resilient, built to be tough. How do we do this though? How do we approach this stuff? Toughness is not enough. You see it in the gym, guys that don't progress in martial arts, like or even in UFC levels. Some of the guys that end up being uh, uh, gatekeepers. Uh, I'm older, I, you know, telling you my age a little bit when I talk about like Chris Lieben was a guy back in the early UFC. Of course, he's at UFC level. Of course, he's tough as hell. And of course, a court relative to the layman, he's way up here. But he was just satisfied with being tough. Right. And he did great, great accomplishments. But that limits you, and that also can put you in danger. Just being tough is nothing. Like, everybody's tough. Everybody's tough, and we understand you're tough. Do it the right way. Don't hurt yourself, and still be able to enjoy life when you do get to those older ages and your kids want to play basketball or whatever. You can still do it. You can still get out there and participate, at least to a certain degree. Um, not going balls to the wall, obviously, but, like, think about that now. It's not that important. And, you know, the way you're lifting, just because you lift a little lighter, it's not going to make you look ugly. You're still going to look cute like Daniel. Right? You're looking <laughs> right. good. You're going to have some titties. Right. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And the way that you build, that's just science. The way that you build muscle is of course resistance, but the way that you promote muscle growth is through moderate weight and a moderate amount of repetition. So usually from that eight to 12 range is like the gold standard for building muscle. And the guys who are trying to stack as much weight as possible, you're building strength, but you may not be building muscle. So if you're trying to uh, beef up and look like good for the beach, uh, that's actually the way that you want to lift. Yep. Do your three sets of 10. Get the hell out. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I talked to a lot of older guys, right? So older guys, well, I, get a, I get a mixed bag of people, but some of the older guys, they see me doing some of the things that I'm doing. They're like, well, I can't, you know, well, you're jujitsu. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm not doing anything like profound when I'm moving around or like that. It's just it's pretty basic stuff. Uh, but they just they haven't uh, kept that that mobility over the years because or they hadn't had to or had no had no reason to. So what would you tell? I tell them this. I say consistency, stay mobile, and do it consistently. So a little bit, a lot, basically, a little bit, yeah. a lot, not breaking the bank. So if you had some older folks that were limited on certain things and you know maybe just could. Like me, I could lift some weights, but I know my recovery time is like double. Like two days, I would be down. Or I'd be. It's just life wouldn't be fun for me for two days, and things would be swollen. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I, uh, I manage that real well, and I go hard. And for me, going hard is when I spend a whole weekend teaching on the range, and I'm just out on my feet, like backs hurting and range fitness. I guess you're just out there doing stuff. So what would you tell an older guy just about? That's not going breaking the bank and doing full time, full workout programs, four week cycles, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a great question. And and my rule is that consistency beats intensity every time. Fun fact about me: I trained a group of seniors. That was I was uh, one of my secondary jobs. I would go meet a group of seniors that their ages ages ranged from sixty five, and I had somebody that was ninety two. And so this is a range of older people and I had been mobile, you know, we met three times a week and I would get them moving. And, you know, whenever you get to a certain age, you're really, you're really fighting with biology. You can absolutely, as an older person, build muscle and you can continue to get strong, uh, but you're, you're fighting the biological clock because your body, your body doesn't build up as good as it used to. Your body doesn't break down faster as you get older. The rate of breakdown is pretty much stays the same throughout your life, but your ability to build up naturally goes down. So the way that we promote that build up process is through working out. So it becomes kind of essential as you get older to stay active. Uh, I, you know, I, I hate when I hear people talk to older people and they go, sit down, this is too much for you. That's gonna, That's what's going to kill them. You know, uh, they need to be mobile. They need to be active. Uh, I, I get the concern, you know, but I think it's good for older people to stay active. That's going to keep you healthy, pain-free. Maybe not pain-free, but it's definitely going to combat combat that pain. Uh, it, physical activity and diet is the best medicine you can give yourself throughout your life. So that's my advice is stay consistent, stay active in the way that you can. You don't have to go in there and get crazy and do like a whole bunch of activity, just, just do enough, you know, go, go get active for 30 minutes to an hour, whatever you can manage, do it in 
uh, a range of activity that you can manage. You you want to do enough to get get that activity and be a little sore afterwards, but you don't want to debilitate yourself for you know days at a time. Just do do enough to where you're comfortable enough to be active consistently. Right, and I think it's a uh, it's it's hard because the older you get, the less you want to move. You're like, you're like, eh, <laughs> I don't want to move. So it's like, it's the path of least resistance to just slow to slow the hell down. Right. right. And we have to keep moving. So it's like good thing about the military background that we have is like, whether you were active or not, it kind of builds it in. I mean, for me, it kind of built it into my, my lifestyle, whether I liked it or not. And now I don't feel right unless I, I stay active to some degree. Um, but that helps me because it's in my head. I have like an internal clock, right? Like, ah, well, I haven't done much. I need to get out of here and like work some, at least my back muscles to compensate for the shoulders that I got here and get some, uh, you know, loosening, loosen up, do some mobility, do some uh, rotations on my hips or something like that. Right. That, that too. Uh, I'm glad you said that flexibility and mobility is very important for everybody, but you know, the, the older population, just getting in there and working on your range of motion and doing some mobility drills, you know, that's being active as well. So, you know, the hip circles and stretching and stuff like that, that's, that goes a long way also. People want to give you, I think it, that's another thing why us veterans or guys that were active when they were young, uh, sports or whatever, uh, you get older and then the workouts you were used to, the intensity and the two hour freaking you know, uh, bash sessions, like your mind wants to go back to those, those places and think like, well, that's, it's not even a workout unless I do that. So you start like, it's all or nothing. I had that all or nothing mindset for a little while uh, towards the end of my career. And as I was trying to transition into being healthier, I was like, well, why can't you just go in here and like do this? And what's the use? And now, I still struggle with it to some degree because I like to have, I like some, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, some rigid or measures to, stay, to stick by or whatever, just to keep me on, right. on track. But I just, I make it real loose now, vague. Like, hey, for these days, I'm doing something active. And, and COVID has really probably helped people progress in this area. Is, uh, you go out to the garage and I sit, I write something up on my board. Or I'll look up on my phone. Like, I want to work these particular movements, push, pull, this area. So I'll write down on my little board out there, this is what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna do it for, if I'm doing for conditioning or you know some anaerobic or aerobic, I'll do something obviously to, to keep it going and get my, my heart rate up. But if it's just uh, movement, I don't really care. I'll just breathe, breathe and, and rest when I need to. And I'll say, I'm gonna do it this many times. These, these exercises in this circuit for however, I like time for me. I started doing a lot of time stuff because I don't like to count. I want to focus on what I'm doing. I just set the time and do it. And if I get tired and I can't do it, I, I rest and keep my form like you're talking about. So I don't do anything that's going to hurt me. Set it down if I have to, and then go back to it for that time. And then I'll set the timer again. And I, it takes the thinking out of it. I'd rather just be a zombie and do what it needs to be done instead of having to think about one, two, I mean, if you had a trainer, yeah, he can count for me, but time is easy for me. Like I do it with drilling too in the on in the jujitsu. Like it's time. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect, and and that's good advice for like mo from a motivational aspect for you know people coming into 
the gym and they're looking at it as a chore, you know, maybe that's a good time for you to, maybe you, you benefit more from a timer that way you're not sticking to a hard count and you go in there and you listen to music and it's kind of a time of therapy. You know, you're not lifting this absurd amount of weight. You're doing something that's manageable and you're getting that work in and, and you really leave in a, you know, treat that time like therapy. You're going to leave more pain-free. You're going to leave with, you know, better muscle activation, blood flow, and and all those, all the beneficial hormones and endorphins that come from that. So you'll leave in a better mood. I, I, tell me if you've done this before, Daniel, you, uh, you went to a gym and, you know, bad form aside, of course, we don't want anybody doing anything bad with weight because it's going to hurt them. But you see people do, doing something and maybe like, and they're either, it's like, that's not intense at all. They're not even lifting. And used to be, I used to be judgmental, like, look at this. You ain't even, why are you even in here if you're going to do that? Right. Like, well, nowadays I'm like, hey, good for, good for them. They're moving. Yeah. And like you said, therapy, I don't have to be in here like, maybe this is time where I'm all the shit going on in my head all day long. I don't have to think about it. All I got to do is think about, I'm listening to this and I'm focusing on my breathing. Yep. And, and I'm moving while I'm doing it. So I set my regimen. My regimented little movement mobility circuit or whatever i set the time or i know i'm going to do it for this long or until my watch says this i'm going to keep continuing to do this you don't have to be in there like yeah <laughs> you don't have to do right. any high intensity interval training you don't have to do pyramid you don't have to do like just respect to them i see them in there moving i don't care if they're young old or whatever hey you're in there moving as long as you're not doing it wrong like i don't want people to get hurt obviously like swinging something around where they're going to hurt a shoulder ligament or, or, you know, a, uh, your joints, but that stuff, I've got a whole new respect for that. And I was like, just, Hey, I don't care if the intensity is not there. You're moving, you're moving. It's up to you how intense you want to get. Like, fine. What are you yep. trying to, if you're trying to win a competition, I guess you'll have to do whatever you need to win that competition. Right. Yep. I agree. I, I like seeing people in there active. You know, what I learned in especially the personal training world, uh, when I first started doing personal training, I would create these workouts for people because I wasn't experienced with it yet. So I'd create these workouts, something along the lines that I would do or I think that they would need or benefit from. And so I realized, yeah, <laughs> they weren't ready. Yeah, people, what I learned as a personal trainer is there's a lot of people who can't do a whole lot and I don't, i'm not saying it in a bad way but they're just not they're not coming from that same background so you know the type of activity that you know maybe military people are used to you know there's a lot of people who uh, don't don't move as well and so that's why they get personal trainers because it makes them feel comfortable they have a professional there you know so i i would say you know if you're going to the gym don't don't feel too much pressure because there's a lot of people who feel the same way and you shouldn't let that discourage you from going to the gym and, and moving around. Um, yeah. It's, it's really good for people to get in there and move. And, you know, I was always happy to see people come in there. I learned to tone things way down and, but then we work people up, you know, as we go. So, you know, it's uh, the gym, it, the gym's been going finish. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, no, the gym's, no. The gym's therapy, and it, and it should be uh, essential for everybody. It's a it's a very important aspect to life and and happiness, and and it should be a uh, welcoming environment. You should be focused on bettering yourself and not you know putting on a show. So yeah, I think, it, yeah. I think that's you don't have to you don't have to have big test 
big testicles. Right. Necessarily. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you said that about the culture, the mindset of coming out where we thought we had to go for broke and be intensity. And we and we have a problem because of our culture. Back what I was, I was talking about, we just go hard and be tough. When in doubt, go hard, be tough. And to a de- to to our detriment, we would do that, right? We would we'd actually get worse because of that and cause problems. So I think it's interesting from the guys that I talk to, which I talk about, you know, I got little slogans, I will not stay down and you're gonna push through, dictate the pace. We talk about when you're fighting in opposition. I need to dictate the pace, gunfight, boxing, whatever. If I can dictate the pace, I dictate the pace. So all that mindset stuff uh, uh, in context, I think for me, most of the time I'm sustaining, maintaining, continuing my mobility. You about to get attacked by a dog? No, that's my dogs outside. <laughs> Don't get they, attacked. They're the loud dogs on the block. It sucks. But I think, but I think for guys that even older gentlemen or women um, that want to stay active, take what we're saying, and I say do a little, a lot, stay consistent. Like Daniel, Daniel is the expert on this for sure. And I say, uh, if I want to continue to cultivate that mindset, then you give yourself little tests here and there as as needed. But it doesn't have to be every single day. Like uh, one example, uh, my buddy, one of the Olympic coaches at fifth group, the Thor guy, um, he said, hey, every now and then, maybe once a week, I think you should go do an exercise that whatever suits you, whatever is not you know, beneficial for you or is not going to be going to hurt you or inflame some bad part of you, like like a rower or uh the bike um so like, hey get on there for a minute and i want you to go hard as you can for a minute maybe do it one a minute's not that big a deal so maybe i'll do it two or three times a week depending on what body part it's working that might be uh, need to recover need some recovery but just doing something for a minute like going hard or sprinting like sprinting is like god's gift to people to help you make it stay survivable like, because if you could, you don't have to do anything else. If you just sprint as hard as you can, and you know as hard as you can, like as hard as your legs and, and lungs will let you go, like you test yourself every single time. That's a test. Yeah. Um, you have to be careful and know what your capabilities are with your, with your leg muscles. Don't pull hamstrings and people do that. You know, if you're not ever doing anything, I suggest not just taking off and sprinting out of the blue if you're old <laughs> like me. But it's good to test yourself. So, I think it's good to, I guess, deliberately plan in a test so every day you don't feel like you need to test yourself and put yourself in a situation where you're you're injured or you need extra recovery or you you get laid up. So you get hurt, you're definitely not going to be consistent. You're going to be laid up. So, but I try to test myself, at least push the mindset. Like, hey, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do this this many times, uh, body willing, and and I'm going to push through. And when I say I don't like doing this and I'm breathing too hard, I'm like, well, I got to keep moving. And I do that with my circuit. So I won't be the same speed or intensity throughout the circuit, but I'll tell myself, I'm not going to stop moving. I'm not going to stop moving. So it might be this pace or this pace, right? Maybe it turns into a sustaining jogging type pace, whatever the case may be. But I told myself I'm not going to stop moving, right? Right? So uh, I think it's good to separate those two when am i doing a mindset test of my ability to, to to push through and when am i just maintaining functionality and mobility and, and keeping my body somewhat healthy um, separate them it doesn't have to be the same all the time what do you think 
I think it's great. Yeah, I think that's why the time concept was was helpful. You know, people that's a good nugget for people. You know, some people like the reps, some people would benefit more from the time, especially if the numbers, I mean, if you're thinking about this number that's ahead of you, you're like, for some people that's like, oh, I gotta do this many. Whereas if you set a timer and you work at, you know, sometimes you're getting more reps in that way and you don't even know it, but you're working for that time. Uh, I, I like that you said sprints. I'm a big, big time sprinter. I never thought I would get this into sprint sprinting as when I got out of the military, when I was in the military, I wasn't that into sprinting and interval type stuff. When I got out of the military, especially with the martial arts stuff, I found how beneficial uh, mixing in that interval training and sprinting is. So uh, I do a lot of hill sprints. I But for people who don't like the impact, fun fact, uh, I'm going to say this ca- with caution because I don't want you to go break the equipment at your gym and then uh, they find out that you watch my my YouTube video or podcast. Here. Flute, lawsuit. <laughs> right, right. Try to avoid lawsuits when I can. But you can get that work on low impact machines like even the elliptical, the rower, uh, the bike, you can go do sprint type activities on those things. Just add enough resistance to where you're not, you know, jamming the pedals off. Cause I can't tell you working in a gym, how many people break equipment on a regular basis. <laughs> There's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much money goes into just fixing stuff. I mean, it seemed like every week there was just a line of broken equipment. It's absurd. So don't break equipment at your gym Add resistance, but you can still work through, you know, these machines and you can get that interval training there on these machines that are low impact and beneficial to your cardio, especially you guys who asked me about shin splints and, you know, maybe you have knee pains or, or hip pain or whatever it is, you know, those low impact machines are really beneficial for you and you can still get that beneficial cardio training at a high intensity. So using that time interval, that's something I like to do, especially if you're short on time. Here I go rambling, by the way. But especially if you're short on time, that interval training is is a way to get in a good workout in a short amount of time. So I can take 20, 30 minutes and really work somebody. You know, I've had clients who could only meet me for 30 minutes and I could break warm them up, break a major sweat, and send them off in 30 minutes through that interval training. So that's uh, I like that you brought that up, and it's it's a great way to boost your overall fitness. It's anaerobic in nature, but it also boosts your VO2 max. So it's what that means is it's both beneficial for you know your mu- promoting muscle growth and it's beneficial for cardio. So it's a win-win in my opinion doing that interval type stuff. Well, confession for me, uh, I don't do any workouts over about thirty minutes. Unless I'm yeah. in the gym rolling, I don't do anything that long. So I mean, unless I'm going real slow and maybe it takes longer, or my my wife and I go to the gym together or something or whatever. But uh, I one additional thing for martial arts guys, like for me, I had knee surgery uh, a couple of years back, and I and it still swells. It, it's it's just not good. I beat it up too much, so I have to manage. I don't run long distances at all, you know. So any cardio I get, like slow cardio. Uh, be on a bike, swimming, something of that nature, or just kind of moving around, keep moving some weight around. Yeah. Uh, so, but sprint, I found out like on our, for my warm ups in the morning for my jujitsu guys, like we have some lines on the mats and I'll start doing suicides. And I'll tell them, like, hey, when we're warming up, I was like, hey, we're going to do it 
think about 30% of your speed. Don't race your buddy next to you. We're just warming up. So just but the stopping and starting really helps kind of fire you up. In my opinion, it feels better because I'm stopping and then starting again. And then we'll speed it up as we go, as we get warm. But for me, being on the mats barefooted and running on that, that soft impact, it, my knee doesn't suffer as much when I run on that. And I just noticed yeah. that even with, you know, wearing shoes out here on those pavements, like it just gives so much. I can get away with a lot more uh, dynamic movement on the mats and more than I can on the ground, the grass or the, or the road. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if you if you're having shin splints, people ask me, I can't tell you how many questions I get about shin splints and stuff like that, because it's a common thing. You know, you might try low impact surfaces like, uh, you know, doing activity on a mat. You know, plenty of gyms have those sectional mats you can work on that and do all sorts of things with your body weight, all sorts of calisthenic exercises. And then if you're going to go run, you can run on a, on a track, on a field of some kind. You know, I do a lot of running on a field. That's where I like to run. I actually, I don't spend a whole lot of time on the road because I have some posture problems as, as do most military breaking up on my side. They're we good? You there? Yeah, that was a that was scary. I thought you I was see that? It was yeah. breaking up. You're like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> I thought it was about to crash on us. I was like, don't do that. Um, I was trying to be s slow, <laughs> not to move anything. But I don't know where I got cut off. But basically, yeah, you said you're on the field. You like to go yeah. on the field, and and that's kind of where it started breaking up. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, I got posture problems to work around, so I run on the field because it's less impact. I like to get my cardio in with the least amount of impact possible. You know, a certain amount of impact is good. And I'm going to segue into something else here that I think is important. Uh, I'd like to kind of get your opinion on too. But uh, I, I guess we've kind of covered it, but it, it doubles down on this concept of rucking because, you know, a certain level of impact is good for muscle, uh, muscle and bone growth. It's like, okay, so from a fighting aspect, you know, you've, we've all seen the guy kick the bamboo tree down. Okay, if I take a couch potato and I go, hey, kick that bamboo tree down. He's going to kick it and his leg's going to snap in half, right? He's not going to, there's no way he's doing that. And I got this calcium deposits built up. And right. Yeah. You have to calcify your bones and through impact. So impact does that to the body, but whenever you're putting too, in, too much impact on too fast, it's, you're just going to hurt yourself. So, you know, that guy's not going to start off kicking a bamboo tree. If a guy wants to kick a bamboo tree down, he's not going to start off kicking a bamboo tree. That's not, it's not a good idea. Right. He's going to start off maybe kicking something else and progressing to something harder. So I, I like to promote, you know, adding that good impact, that constructive impact. And there's a certain level of impact that's too much. That's why, you know, when people ask me, Hey, what kind of ruck should I buy? And how much rucking should I do? I do have a rucking program because it is high in demand, but I make sure to tell people, I do not recommend doing this all the time. I don't think personal personal belief is I don't think, you know, rucking and preparation is that all that necessary. I think if you promote that muscle and bone growth through other constructive forms, 
whenever it's time to put that rucksack on and, you know, move for ridiculous amounts of distances, you'll be constructively built for that. Whereas if you're just rucking all the time, you're going to really be breaking your body down. I don't think it promotes good posture on top of impact. Personally. I agree, brother. Uh, I think that's why we, most of us have joint problems in the first place is the rucksack, you know, and body. Well, unfortunately, these young kids that's going to the military and, uh, and a lot of the different programs, uh, I remember basic training, we did some rucking, but it was pretty slow and slow to go, you know, it wasn't like any like time, you know, I mean, relatively easy when it concerning running in the military. I think when I went to basic training, I don't know how it is nowadays, but uh, unfortunately anything progressing past that or any selection or tryouts of some sort, like uh, most of them from what I understand and what I experienced was a lot of rooking involved and it had to be, it didn't tell you a the time. They just said, hurry the hell up and, and you felt inclined to go fast because you're trying to perform well. Right. And it just it's just inherent with what you're doing. Um, personally, if I could help it, I would never put something on my back super heavy and, and walk around with it. But that's just the nature of the military sometimes, like depending on what you do. Um, so I agree with what you said. Like, I think you're going to be good if you're strong uh, in general, overall body. Um, your legs are strong and, you know, they, they're conditioned. All right. Then you'll be fine. Now the rest of the stuff comes down to a lot of mindset and nuances, like the, the toughness of your feet is what uh, is the, the pitfall of a lot of people. So another thing is like just being outside. My feet have always been tough. I was raised barefoot a lot when I was young. And then I do a lot of stuff in the gym. So I always have calluses on my feet that maybe I take for granted, but I've always had calluses on my feet. I just, I'm a heavy dude too, you know, so I just, I build that up and I've had blisters here and there, but, I've seen some people that have a whole different level of sensitive feet and it really hurts them. So, and there's things out there. I don't know if you get into all that stuff. I remember before I went to selection, like I was looking up stuff about soaking your feet in tea and all this stuff. And I just, I, I don't think I had a problem with sensitive feet that bad relatively to other people, but I know in Ranger school, but like that last nine mile march in, in Florida from the swamps, my feet had been better the whole time. Like it ate my feet up. That's the worst my feet ever felt. They felt like hamburger. It was hard to walk yeah. on. I was slipping yeah. around. So I've had my experience where my feet failed me. Um, and then I think it's more of a mindset thing. Like, you know, if you got Motrin, <laughs> this, this is a funny story. Quick, quick. I, I had pretty tough feet. I've never taken Motrin in my life until I was in selection. So I'm a staff sergeant in the Army, right? Because my mom would raise me like just medicine was bad. She just wouldn't give me fucking medicine. Like, that's just the way her, she was. Right. And she always taught me that. Nobody else gave me medicine. Like I just didn't need it or I didn't think I needed it. And I had a buddy who was a beast of a man. He was a captain in selection with me. And we had went to ranger school together, actually. And then I met him again selection. Like we never worked together. He was just those two places. His name is Van Sickle, Jeffrey Van Sickle. And he's like, a, if he's out there somewhere, like, I wonder what he's doing now. He's like a beast of a man. It's just a beast. Anyway, we were on the trek together at the time they had trek and selection where it was a mixture of you got like a 12 man crew and y'all had to carry weight and you kind of doing some navigation, long distance movements, but you had some team. Uh, uh, what's it called? Team obstacles or problems that you did in between, like, you know, you had to make a, uh, you had to do the 
what the heck was it? I'm missing the word here. Make the thing where you freaking carry weight and you had to make, you had a tire, two tires and some poles. And I forget what they call it right now. But anyway, we had to do all that stuff. So you're doing team events in the midst of this trick. And my feet got pretty bad, right? You know, I was like, I've been walking a lot. And me and him were kind of the senior guys on our little trick team. He was a captain. I was a staff sergeant. So we kind of like went into the roles. He would be up front sometimes, and I would be up front sometimes, and the other one would be in the back to make sure we didn't lose anybody. And he had two Motrin, and he told me the day, the start day, he's like, hey, I got two ibuprofen. Like, just let me know. We'll use it for the like the, the last team event day. I was like, all right, I'll do whatever. You know? So he gave it to me, and I like uh, halfway through that movement, I was like, we had to get on the road one time because we we cheated a little bit. We got on the road to go around this low ground. You're not supposed to go on the roads, but we were like, we're going to run like hell and get around this this draw because we don't we ain't got enough time to sit here and navigate through this bullshit. So we got on the road. We like looked out. We did our little fucking our, our danger, linear danger area uh, check, and then we ran out the road, took off, and I got on the other side and I was feeling good. I was like, man, I think I got my my second win, bro. I'm feeling good. He's like, you think it's that feel? And I was like, oh. And at that point, no, I'm not a fucking habitual taker of it, but at that point, I respected the motion, the anti-inflammatory effects of that medicine. Um, but I think people with soft feet, like, you got to work on some of those nuances, maybe if you know you got soft feet, but other things will kind of inherently build that in. Shoulders, like straps and stuff like that. When I used to have to ruck a lot and be forced to ruck a lot, and I'm sure you experienced this, there's no one way that you do it. Some people are like, do you button these things and bring them close together? I would do here. And I'd stay heavy here, and then sometimes I'd loosen it up and let, let my back lean back just to give my shoulders some rest. Sometimes I'd get one shoulder. I mean, you're just doing whatever it takes to freaking get through sometimes. You almost got to uh, shift the weight around. Like, uh, definitely, maybe, definitely. Maybe put the hip, maybe take it off your hip. Yeah. That weight. Yeah, sometimes button it. Sometimes I'd loosen and sit it on my belt and let the weight kind of hang back. I mean, kind of have to change the muscle groups up whenever you're sitting there with that. Ridiculous rucksack. Like a, it becomes a battle of attrition at some point. Like, hey, I know I'm going right. to keep walking. I know I'm going to keep moving, but I, I need to fight this feeling of wanting to quit because I'm hurting so damn bad. So how do I do something <laughs> right. to keep you from hurting so bad? Like, so I mean, I don't know if there's a science to that or not. It's just keep changing it up and do whatever you need to do to 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 keep from quitting because that's yeah. not an option. Some of that comes with uh, the anxiety of it. People want to know how how am I going to be able to do this thing without pain? It's like you're, you're not. Pain. <laughs> just what it is. Some of you guys, like uh, if you're new to I think athletes, guys that have been part of team sports or even individual sports, guys have been a part of something that's made them, that's forced them to push through things mentally. It's not the end all be all, but you definitely need some practice. Like we said, if I haven't put any Thing, any resilience training or our mindset push through um overcome mindset training into my bucket don't expect to find any in there when you go look in that bucket like you're not just going to magically find that like you have to build that just like a muscle of right. practicing not quitting and practicing pushing through a little bit further and and everything that anybody's ever done humans are so amazing because Look at what we can do. I mean, you look at the highest level athletes and you look, anybody can do that stuff. It's just, what is your mindset and what work have you put in? You know, like, so we we, we always tell people that you'd be surpri uh, surprised what you can endure and push through. Like if you just, why couldn't you push through? Like 
just because you had this much pain or that much pain, you might tell yourself, well, that's too much. Like, well, who decides that's too much? Like, I don't want anybody to be hurt, but we know firsthand, like there's some situations where you're going to be on the edge of, is this good for me? Or is it, is this like going to be permanently bad for me? You know, and yeah. you got to make that decision depending on your experiences. But I've never had a, I've, had, I've seen guys finish road marches with broken bones in their feet and it was not detrimental to the rest of their life. It didn't change them. You know, they got through it and they found out they had a small bone broken or whatever the case may be. And yeah, it explained why they were in a lot of pain and why we thought they were a bitch at first. But then later on, they're like, hey, I pushed through and they feel good for it. And that bone heals up. They take, take a break, but they got through. So you can do a lot of things on injuries. And you, for anybody that's going to go further in the military, as far as progressing into some of the, the special operations realm type stuff, I think you better get used to it. Like, you're going to have to. Like, or infantry, any type of infantry, whether it be the Ranger Regiment or whether it be a regular infantry unit, like, you're used to being hard. That's the culture. Um, navigate it intelligently, get as much information as you can from guys like Daniel who can say, hey, progressively load on that that, ruck, that rucking and don't just jump into it and start beating the hell out of yourself because, yeah, I guess you'll get some results out of that. I don't know if it's the results you'll want, and I don't know if it's going to be better in the long term. Um, yeah. So there's a way to do it. Right. I definitely agree. And that's, that's great advice. It's something that it's interesting. You know, I've talked to multiple guys from uh, the special operations background, and we all kind of steer to that same that same uh, thought. And so, you know, being able to endure, but also training, con training constructively. Some of us have to learn the hard way, but, you know, we all kind of come to that conclusion over time. So I, hopefully, hopefully what I'm putting out does reach some people and helps them uh, stay, stay in the field longer and be more effective in the long term. That's my goal is uh, I'm not encouraging pushing through certain things. Definitely, you're going to put yourself out there. You're going to endure some hard things, but you should train constructively and be prepared. You know, you're going to, you know, it's a crawl, walk, run process. You're not just going to. You don't have to get out there tomorrow and do a four-hour workout program if you've never worked out before. You need to progress up to that. So, well, one thing to your benefit, Daniel, I just remembered about this, uh, and it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Is like, if at any time in my life I wish I had a trainer or somebody to to supervise me in uh, my workouts or my training for whatever specifics, it would have been when I was younger. I would have needed it the most. Um, and I, I guess maybe that makes sense to people. Seems counterintuitive to some people. I don't know. That's when you need it the most. It's like raising a child. Like, when do they need the most investment? It's kind of when they're developing. So right. young guys, I don't, and don't even think about an age. Think about new to this genre of training, maybe. Just new to this aspect. You should have a trainer, I think. Um, I, I benefited greatly once we had those coaches come in and – Here's one thing I know. If you don't have a trainer, you have to be one of those unique people that is really well-disciplined, which I would venture to say that the majority of young people are not, if we're talking young people about to go in the military. And not just not, I'm not saying it in a bad way, like you're a piece of shit. I'm saying that you might not be disciplined enough when faced with the, the decisions to be made. Am I just going to go hard or am I going to stick to the program? I feel good, so I'm going to keep doing this. Or whatever Daniel said, I need to get good fast. So I'm going to throw that ruck on it. I'm going to hit fucking 10 miles running out the whole fucking way. 
until I fucking break my stuff off. Like that's what we'll do to ourselves when not held in check. That's where the coaches, the trainers, the teachers, um, the instructors, whatever, that's where they come into play. And if you got the right one, it'll really help you improve uh, exponentially if you use somebody like that because they keep you on track and you'll be thankful for it. So I'm not saying that people are weak. I'm just saying that human nature is that we'll go the path of least resistance if somebody's not keep, keeping us accountable. So I think if you got money, if you got somebody, if you wanted somebody to stay over your shoulder that you could trust and you find the right person, somebody like a Daniel Burnett, um, that would keep you on that, that track and keep you accountable. I think it's, it's well worth the investment at a young age or getting into this new realm because it's going to, it's going to help you stay true to what you're trying to do and not let you get in your own head or let your ego get in the way or some, some unrealistic anxiety timeline that you put in your head that's going to force you to do something weird and fuck yourself up or give you bad habits. So that systems we were talking about, if I'm trying to build up a good system where I stay healthy and do the right thing and build that baseline fundamentals, let's do it the right way. Let's find somebody that's going to keep me on track for that. Let's keep that accountability and, and let's set it all straight. So now once I've got that established, now I can just maintain it and, and I won't have to have a trainer all my life unless you're just one of those people that's doing that or whatever, but you can do it on your own and you'll have to do it on your own. Eventually, if you go to the military, you're not going to have time for a trainer. Um, do it now. Build the fundamentals. Build the system. Um, help. Let somebody help you stay accountable and help you build those disciplines because you're not expected to have that already. If you, Again, why would I expect you to have that already if you haven't done that yet? So let Daniel help you do that, I think. I, if I could go back and I was intelligent enough and mature enough to think about this and somebody made me do this, I wish somebody would have said, hey, this is how you do things, Z. No, 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 put the fucking weight down. Come over here. This is what we're going to do today because this is what you're feeling. Now, there is some feeling involved. Like, I don't, you know, whatever the training regimen is, hey, we can decide once it's tailored to them based off of their levels. And you, I'm sure you see this a lot. Like, hey, we see what, this is what most people generally, this is what your training regimen will be as far as recovery, rest and recovery and, and, and progressing. And then once you tailor it to that person and see what their recovery is or however they do things and what they, their tendencies are, a lot of people's tendencies that I know of that are like beasts in the gym, they, they won't take breaks and it's bad for them. So let him help you figure that out and get you straight and build that discipline so that you, you have that to take with you um, for the rest of your life, potentially. Um, I think, I think that's good. Have you, uh, Tell me your experience on that. Like you think that a coach or somebody just trying to keep you kind of keep not a buddy that don't know anything. And you know, buddies can be good, but a lot of times they'll let you bow shit or they get wrapped up in the fucking ego too and want to just lift or hey, fuck it, it's chest day, I guess. <laughs> right. So I would wish somebody would give me it's just like a parent. Somebody keep me disciplined a little bit, do the things that I don't tell me the things I don't want to want to hear and force me to fucking slow it down if i have to and force me to push it a little bit if i fucking feel like quitting sometimes we need both of them yep. if i didn't have somebody watching me if i didn't have the uh, accountability of people watching me uh to perform back in the day when i was fighting and grappling and all that stuff and the, and the uh the motivation of of my pride to some degree which can be bad but it helped me in those situations and i wouldn't push through a lot of situations i would have quit on my own i would have yep. quit and i needed that and then I also needed somebody to tell me, hey, it's time to quit. Right. 
it's a it's a it's a mix and there's a there's a whole science to it people have a whole you know have whole degrees in it i have a degree in in it and there's it could go beyond you know people go get their doctors and and this stuff and uh it, you know that's the struggle is when when do we push and when do we you know take the rest times there's a science for training intensity for rest intervals you know, I had a kid who wanted to get big and strong. He wanted to, uh, now. He wanted to get huge. Yeah. And, and, and as we were doing leg day, he would jump up and start doing pull-ups. And he was like this hyperactive kid. I'm like, dude, you got to stop moving around so much. He's like, we're going to take this rest period. And then we're going to do the squats. Cause the squats are focused today, not pull-ups. I don't know what the hell you're doing pull-ups right now, you know, but he was just so eager, you know, that I think that's why the military chooses between 18, 25, that age range. Those guys are ready to conquer the world. Well, and some of them do. That's a great, mm. it's a great motivation. It's great energy, but there's also, I think it's the guys who are reaching out to this page to, who are listening to this content. They show a lot of initiative to learn because there is a whole science to, I mean, to most things you do in life, there's a, there's a formula to it. And I think it's smart when you stick to the formula, you're going to optimize your end result. So. Optimization. There you go. Uh, I got this question from somebody who is a right-handed shooter, but left eye dominant. And they wanted to know what, what's your advice for somebody who is a right-handed shooter, but their other eye is the dominant eye. All right. So I got a couple of things. Some of them I had an experience and are we talking pistol or rifle or probably just both? Huh? Both. Yeah, both. Well, obviously people talk about rifles. So we set up a rifle here. And you have a cheek to stock wheel, you have a butt stock, it's a little bit longer. There's more points of connection than there is with a pistol. So it's a little harder with a rifle because I might have to camp my head. If my, I'm right, I'm right-handed, I'm right eye dominant, luckily. And if I had to, I could camp my head a little bit this way. And I think uh there's different approaches to that. One of them is some people I've seen people that just change sides and they've got good enough where they're so ambidextrous, you know, they don't lose anything when they come to this other side. Me, I'm completely way worse on every damn thing on my left side yeah. even though i can do it relatively well but uh, i wouldn't opt for that in several occasions unless i had a lot of distance from somebody and i was using cover or something but um i have also heard this is i don't know this to be true before i get into the, the, the rifle and the pistol differences marines taught my old sergeant major carl who i do tactical rifleman training and videos with sometimes um He's, we were teaching Marines in a tier one group. This other place they contracted somebody to teach them. And they, they said, hey, you can train. And I don't know the science behind this, but maybe we can look it up. You guys look this up when you get a chance. They said, you can train with, but make one more eye more dominant than the other. He said, what you do, what they were doing with their guy was they had, you know, your clear eye protection that you wear. And they take a little bit of a, a chapstick and stick it just a little bit over. Or make it completely blocked out where where your other eye has to take over. So I would put it over my right eye if I was left-handed because I'm right eye dominant. I put it over my right eye and make my left eye work harder. Okay. Right? And then they said start over time, and I don't know what the time range would be here, days, weeks, months, or whatever, but you would start reducing the amount of chapstick on that covering your dominant eye, and this eye starts to take over. In theory, to me, it sounds like it, it's logical, might make sense, but I'm, I'm not sure about it. So you could do that, I guess. 
for me, I think work. I had a guy starting from scratch, and like as a military guy, and I had the time to do that. Mate, like, hey, we're gonna depending on how long it would take, we'll retrain your dominant eye. I don't know how long that would take, but depends on if you're just doing isolated training, individual uh, skill stuff, or you're doing complex skill stuff. You know, like I don't want you in the shooting house with moving around a bunch of people with one eye covered up all the time because it potentially be safety issue. You know what I mean? So there's that's that one approach. So. I suggest do some research on that. I've never done it myself. I've never taught anybody to do that, but apparently some Marines, but, and consider the source too, it's Marines. So, right. so we don't know what we're getting there. They're kind of like, hey, you stick a bullet in your butt, it makes you better at shooting. I don't know. <laughs> but, but what I tell people is like, I don't, I don't want you to try to retrain your eye. Um, I think you just can work around it. Pistol is super easy. So if I got my pistol here and I'm right eye dominant, it usually comes up under my right eye, and if I'm if I'm left eye dominant, I just bring it up under my left eye. Yeah. Really, it's just it's just that simple change of yeah of direction. It's just moving it right here. Well, some people do yeah. it the other way. Instead of moving this, they move this. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need to with a pistol. I put the pistol wherever I want it. Like there's nothing determining that I can't push the pistol a little bit left or right of my face. Life was different because it's got the buttstock, right? Like buttstock, right. I can't like. And then if you got a cheek to stock wheel, depending on how you shoot, you might not be able to get your eye or whatever sight you're using. Like if you've got a scope with magnification, like you got to get the proper eye relief. So you got to have your eye in a certain spot. You can't just put it anywhere like infinite relief. Um, right. So you have to, you might have to turn your face in or do certain things. Some of those guys, especially shooting magnification, if that's their focus, they will go to the far side. Um, Plus they're shooting longer range and they'll just use this side and they'll get proper eye relief with this side because that eye relief is so finicky that if my head moves a little bit, I just can't find the right spot. Now, the good thing about red dots, like a a, a regular red dot, zero magnification, right? Uh, EOTech, which is the square window with the circle and they're pretty open and uh, they kind of were built forward CQB type situations and they have more uh, uh, awareness looking down the rifle and kind of see more stuff and not focus on one thing. The good thing about red dot in general is that I don't have to focus on the front sight post like you do with iron sights. You teach pistol, you say, hey, the front sight post, when you're talking about accuracy and you're building fundamentals, the front sight post should be clear. And then you equal height, equal light in between the back two posts. And you, the target's going to be somewhat blurry, but that front sight post is clear. So that's key. Your look, your focus, your focal point is the front sight post as you're training to get better. And eventually, you know, once you've done a thousand billion reps, then the gun will go there and maybe you don't look at the front sight post anymore. That's the point shooting argument, shit, whatever. You built the muscle memory. But the good thing about red dots, um, you can look at the target. Like my eye kind of uh, inherently picks up the dot and knows the dot is on the target, but I'm looking through the, the reticle or through the glass or scope or whatever the case may be and looking at the target and that's why everybody's going to pistol red dots now it's not as inconvenient because of uh, holsters and equipment set up for it and nobody had sites that were built specifically for pistols for a while or they could uh, withstand the, the vibration of the slide or the cycling but now it's a pretty prominent thing and to me it's not an argument like red dot or not it's just well we know lining two things up to shoot versus lining one thing up to shoot is going to be harder like that's why would you even 
same thing with rifles back in the day in my day man they were just transitioning from red dots from iron sights and a lot of people that were you know old and grumpy they were like uh, reserved and like no nah. and i get it to some degree there's some things that i won't change because i don't feel like the benefit is worth me putting in all the repetitions and retraining myself at this point but there's some things that's just uh provide provides a, a benefit that you just can't deny and i'm gonna have a red dot on the pistol i don't have it on all my pistols but i have a red dot on the pistol and i know that I can look at the target now and I can look at what your hands are doing and I don't have to change my focal point, which is a skill that needs to be developed. Sight, target, sight, target, sight, target, back and forth. That's a skill. So why would you not want that? So that being the case with whatever cross-eyed dominant, like when it's a red dot, like you can just see it. You can look, keep both eyes open, which is your next question, right? Talking about both eyes right. open, right? You, you just keep both eyes open and look through the sight, look at the target. And whichever eye is going to see it, it's going to pick it up. Uh, so there's not, it's not a big deal, really, with a red dot. It, it kind of takes some of that the bullshit out of uh, trying to figure out how am I going to align the sights with my eye. So go get a red dot would be the easiest. Yeah, <laughs> so red dot, red dot is is the go-to for people. That's what you'd recommend. Uh, yeah, I mean that's going to make it easier. Again, you're doing a magnification scope. You got to work the eye relief. Um, there are ways around it, but uh, try. Retraining your eye to be your your other eye to be dominant, maybe. I do research on it first. Don't take my word for it for it. Like I said, I just know that the Marines said that. As far as both eyes open, a lot of people have the problem. Again, the red dot is the easiest fix for that. Red dot is easy because you even if you're looking with both eyes, you just you're looking at the the target and your mind is perceiving that red reticle or whatever it is on the target. And I don't really care what eye is making it focus on it. I put the red dot on what I want to hit, and that's generally where you hit, right? Depending on offset and all that other shit, and how much you jerk the trigger <laughs> or move the gun. So uh, both eyes. What people have a problem with is iron sights. You know, with both eyes, and they're trying to get this and use both eyes and try to work that focal shift between clear front sight post to target back and forth and everything and then they start trying to use both eyes and it looks like there's two or three things and some people are That's trying right. you like specific they'll, yeah they'll train you specifically and start talking about uh well in your head when you're looking at that which one is the most clear picture and that's the one you're looking for so you're kind of training your head to see the right one amongst the the different front sights that you see with both eyes open what i tell people simply in the way i did i can tell you from the experience that I tried this and made it work is I tried to work it and I would squint. Um, I would squint my left eye because my right eye is dominant and I would, I would start squinting and then I was kind of just doing less and less squinting as I did it. I started, my eyes started becoming better at using both and seeing that my, my I guess my right eye was more dominant at that point and it was picking up what it needed to see even with both my eyes open. So I would squint a little bit. I was just training myself. So you'd see me a lot. I still do it now. Like if I'm warming up and I haven't, like my eye, my left eye kind of squints, but I got both open. I still have the awareness. And the whole point of having both eyes open anyway is you get more information quicker, quicker. So the only way you can take action is if you have the information. So if my eyes give me the information quicker. Hopefully I can take action quicker. So it makes you faster shooting, faster solving problems, essentially. All right. So take that for, for what it's worth, but it does require work. You know, if you, if you have problems with it, you're gonna have to work. It's not just gonna come and be like, oh, well, I can just open both eyes and all of a sudden I'm good with it. It's gonna take work like everything else. Right.
So that's interesting. I was going to ask you if you were, yeah, I was going to ask you if you were a both eyes open shooter because I've heard, you know, uh, mixed reviews on it. And, and I tried training like that. And that's what I had, that's what I've been having to do is squint with one eye. I, I don't get it down. I don't get the both eyes open thing. What's interesting yeah, is I was actually, I was looking up stuff and I found, uh, I found your video. We were doing the networking on Instagram and I found mm-hmm. your videos and I kind of made the connection like, I was watching the video. I was like, man, this guy looks familiar. And then they said, you know, he's oh, you didn't even know that was me. Like, Wait, that's, that's the guy. Yeah. I had that connection. I was like, oh man. So I was watching your video and then I had the like eureka moment where I realized I was watching you on the, like I knew, I knew who I was watching. So that was cool. And it, the, the videos are really good. Um, where can people find your videos? Because you you don't have a personal YouTube, right? You you're doing the the videos with uh, another entity. What, can you explain tactical rifle? That's it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so uh, my company asset. I have Instructor Z. That's my my training company or branch. And uh, so Instructor Z on Instagram, Instructor Z on Facebook, Instructor Z on Twitter. Which I don't. I just you know, duplicate everything on Twitter. I don't really get on there or Facebook, really. Um, Instructor Z on YouTube now. And I'm starting to pick up my YouTube channel. I just really hadn't done it before, but I'm, I'm, I'm being more, a little more inclined to do it now. Uh, it's becoming easier to me, uh, convenience-wise. As just uh, Tatum Reichman, I've been doing a lot with him, and that's just, he's my sergeant major. He lives about 40 minutes away from me on the Kentucky side of the border. Uh, we both live relatively close to Fort Campbell, where we retired out of, and his name's Carl. He started Tactical Rifleman, and he's been doing it for a while. And he kind of got on. He uh, he got on board before it was it was cool to be on board. Uh, and he just whatever you think about quiet professionals doing videos, I, I don't really care. I, he, I know he earnestly wants to help people, and right. uh, he genuinely he he goes out of his way to to accommodate people. So he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart and. YouTube demonetizes a lot of his shit anyway because it has to do with guns and things that they uh, don't believe in. So it's not like he's making a, a killing having, I think he's got 500,000, half a million followers now or subscribers on YouTube now. Yep. Um, but he's, uh, I do stuff with him and he likes to have me there. I'm kind of the, I'm a, couple, a generation or two behind him. So he looked at me as kind of like the subject matter expert for a lot of things that I had a fresher perspective because I got out of the military later. And I still keep up with stuff and still teach. So I, he wanted the newest perspective he could get um, with guys with our experience. And that's what I kind of brought to the table. And me and him, uh, we really hit it off, even though he's a smart major. He's a shithead smart major. Uh, <laughs> no, he was always the good one. He was a good one. He was, one of, he was a unicorn of sergeant majors, sergeant's right. major. But uh, he a uh, good dude. And so I do a lot of business with him. But the thing is with this, and I told you before, Daniel's like, I don't like acting. I don't like, if I don't feel like talking about that and I'm not passionate about that right now, it's hard for me to get motivated about that. I always right. tend to be motivated about the same things. Therefore, I just, sounds like I talk about the same shit over and over. But right. what we do is he, he gets a film crew that comes down that's part of the group and he's like, hey, these this day, this day, this day, we're going to be filming. So write down, you know, our little shit that we're going to talk about and do a film on and I'm getting less and less ideas as we go on about what I do videos on. Um, but and then we go up there and he's like, all right, at this time we're doing this, this time we're doing this. And however long it takes, we're kind of like spitting them out like a fucking, at a factory, 
trying to anyway. And I just fucking hate the shit. It's like it's a pain in the ass because I gotta you gotta get turned on on. And I'm like, if it ain't if I ain't already focusing on this shit, I'd rather you come to a class with me and video me doing something and just take what you need out of that and fucking right. show it. That way I don't have to so I'm talking to an audience and, and actually doing it instead of me trying to explain something to you. I just suck at that. I suck at it, honestly. Um yeah. So anyway, I do a lot with him, but I'm going to do more on mine and I'm going to do put my own spin on it. And I think there's room for uh, for both of us. Uh, Carl, I also do classes with Tactical Rifleman. We get together and he's got more of a combat approach to it. And a lot of guys come. We get we get apocalypse preppers. We get young guys. We get cops. It's just uh, it's a myriad of people. And it's, it's also a great network, not no type of militia shit, but just like getting to know people that are like minded and really serious about taking care of themselves and being capable, not just having a gun and owning it and saying, I'm a man. I got a bunch of bullets and guns and that's all you need. No, you got to put something in the bucket. You got to put in the work. Yep. So we do that. And then for me specifically, uh, and what attracts me to you, Daniel, is you're kind of into the things that I'm in. Uh, of course, we want to be fit, but we want to be capable with our hands. So I'm trying to kind of mix the, the genres, the world of grappling, jujitsu, fighting in general, and tools of the trade like pistols and rifles. And I think there's room for both. I, why wouldn't you incorporate them both? There's not one or the other, in my opinion. It's like you, you, you fighting is fighting. Whatever helps me defend myself and whatever tool is applicable uh, to that job. Movement is always going to be a thing, whether you're shooting good, you got a, you got good marksmanship abilities or whatever the case may be. You still got to be mobile. Um, you still got to know how to get from point A to point B. You still got to do it safely. So you got to have systems built in where the gun still is safe while I'm doing all these complex things or maneuvers. Um, you still have to freaking have the conditioning to, to continue to stay. When you fight people. And you're stressed, you tend to hold your breath. So uh, you got to practice trying to breathe and then give your lungs the, the conditioning they need to breathe when in those situations. Like there's so many things that go into it. Fighting is not me and you on the street swinging at each other's head. It's whatever's applicable to what you think is a fight. And usually, uh, and what I attribute it to is defending yourself in the worst case scenario, whatever that might be for you. Likely scenarios aside, worst case is I'm going to take your shit no matter what you say. And right. if I can fucking, if I have skills and tools that, that you don't, I'm going to do it. If yep. you've got skills and tools that match me, then you got something to say about it. So it's just the bottom line with me. And that, so check us out. Uh, Instructor Z, Tactical Rifle, and Daniel, brother, please uh, impart uh, your knowledge to me whenever you feel feel a chance and uh, I keep sending these young young fellas to you that ask me all these questions. I think you're you're a diamond in the rough. Uh you're not out here telling everybody that uh you gotta be a badass ranger to do anything. You're saying, hey, there is attributes that come from being a ranger, attributes that you gain from from coming coming from our backgrounds like we have. And you want to take that and let them know that that's available to them and they can meet that same potential. They got it in them just like any ranger, any ninja, any top gun pilot, whoever the fuck you want to talk about. Like they've got it, too. They just put in the work and you know how to give them the work that they need. And you know what it takes to push through and get 
to those uh, levels that they're they're trying to get to. So why wouldn't you go to somebody that knows this stuff and that's willing to share it with you and uh, and not just show you how big his dick is, but show you uh, the mistakes, use his mistakes and use his lessons learned to to kind of to help uh, help you build success in your life. So I think you're doing a great job, Daniel. Appreciate you having me, man. Thanks so much, sir. That means that really means a lot to me, and and uh, I appreciate it having you as somebody I can network with and, and, uh, and you, you always have a friend here and I'll, I'll look to you as a, as a, as a friend, as a mentor. And I appreciate your time today. I really, really, really do. We're going to train together in person one day, man. I'm going to, I'm going to make some time to get out there. I gotta, I gotta make it coincide with my family schedule. And so that would be amazing. Be, so it would be awesome, man. Uh, please stay in touch with me. Uh, let me know how this thing goes. I'll promote it everywhere that I can listen to people out there. Like it's not, I, I'm not on here because Daniel's a veteran. I'm not on here because we have similar backgrounds. I'm not on here because he does jujitsu and grappling and stuff like I do. It's because when I see good people. I'm going to, that I feel like uh, are doing things right in their life and trying to help others and, and doing the things that I know that they think will make them better in their own life. I'm going to promote that every time I'm going to promote it. Uh, good people's good people, not about the product, not about the service, because good people will make a good product and a good service. It's bottom line. Starts with the person. Daniel's a good person. I highly recommend uh, that you utilize his experience and his training so that you don't end up 42 like myself trying to correct problems that you you, you messed up for so fucking long. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, brother. Well, if you guys have been listening this long, you're awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Z. I hope everybody has a great day. Take care.